Welcome to Rugged Theology, where we talk church planting, theology, and drink coffee. Welcome to another episode of Rugged Theology. It is me, Adam Diamond, and today you're going to hear a recording of an interview I did with Matthew Spandler Davidson from 20 Schemes, talking about how we minister to people in poor communities. Now, I had to do this little intro because when I listened to the audio, um, for some reason, my voice was completely distorted. Um, so you're going to come into the interview hearing me having asked him what it's like there. He'll talk about the weather and then we'll get into it. Uh, well, it is cold and frosty and on those mornings when you have to dig the car out of the ice. So. Yeah, I, I was, man, it was freezing this morning. We walked out today and uh, my son is two and his first words, the wind hit him. He was like, cold, cold. I'm like, yeah, yeah it is cold. <laughs> I'll be in, uh, I'll be in Quebec this weekend. So I'm hoping that it won't be terrible when I get there this weekend. Yeah. You, you, you're, you're preaching with Steve that this weekend, yep. right? That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. You, you gotta preach. One hour sermons, I think you were saying. Well, you know, it's it's, <laughs> I guess because it's translated, but I'm I, I'm I typically preach. I typically preach close to that. So yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, we usually do about forty minutes. So I mean, it's an extra that's, twenty minutes. It's far more acceptable. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so why don't we start off? You introduce yourself. Tell our listeners a bit about who you are, um, what you do. Um, then we'll get into it. So those listening, we are going to talk a little bit. Matthew had a really neat. Uh, mic drop moment we'll say at the engage conference um right. he said our um our poor communities are people not problems um and that's what we're gonna be talking about today but uh, before that matthew why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners like what you do who you are and why they should care about what you have to say uh so yes <laughs> i'm originally from scotland a little town called stonehaven up in the northeast of scotland fishing village up there uh and i am um Planted a church in uh, a small town in Kentucky, just outside Louisville, uh, quite a few years ago. Moved over here to go to Southern Seminary and then planted the church while I was here. Uh, but off the back of that, uh, me and a friend of mine, Mes McConnell, started a church planting ministry in Scotland called 20 Schemes, which is planting churches in the uh, poor, unengaged um, uh, social housing communities across Scotland. And then... Uh, now I serve with Axway 9, uh, VP for Global Outreach, trying to help think through how to plant healthy churches in poor communities around the world, favelas, barrios, inner city slums, plus remote rural villages. And so I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about how to train, develop church planters in those contexts. Mm-hmm. So you're a, you're a busy man. Yeah, okay. I get it. I get around. I get about. <laughs> you get around a little bit. <laughs> um so like are, are you married do you have kids like i am my fish tracy from mobile alabama and um we met in scotland when we were at college but we have two girls alice and bethany right on do you get to go back to scotland very often yeah i go back three or four times a year so i get yeah we always spend our summers there usually in july we're there as a family but then i'm i get to travel a fair bit in some of the work that toy schemes is doing so is it kind of like Newfoundland where if you're back home, your accent comes out thicker? Like uh, a little bit, mostly when I'm preaching. If oh, I'm, yeah, really? If I'm preaching over there, um, it's a little bit more obvious. So do you become like an angry Scot- Scottish man or something? Uh, or like... Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. Wherever I go, my accent is always picked. Like, where are you from? So um, 
I was just in New Zealand last week preaching there and um, nobody can place my accent, which is kind of, which is really helpful because then everybody, then nobody knows where I'm from, actually from. <laughs> right. All right. Um, yeah. So that statement you made at the Engage conference, I loved it. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, so from your experience, like how do we approach our poor communities from this view as more or less addressing them as people and not necessarily problems? Yeah. So I think the, uh, I think of a lot of churches, a lot of, no, most churches, we have a heart for the poor. We have a, we recognize that the church as Christians, the, the church, we have a responsibility to demonstrate charity and love and concern for, um, the least, the last, um, the, the marginalized in our own communities, but many churches, I think still have that mindset that the the poor in the city uh, or the poorest communities in our areas are problems to be solved, whether that is poverty alleviation or housing issues or education problems or um, and we're we're driven more by a uh, a transactional approach. We're going to go in and we're gonna we're gonna help respond to a problem or crises. and um and I think that the danger of that approach is we we miss we we lose sight of the fact that People living in poor communities are people just like us um, that are struggling with um, very real issues, mm-hmm. living in very real state of crisis. But they're not they're not problems to be solved in the sense of hey, I've just got to fix this for them. Or they are people made in the image of God that um, that their ultimate problem, their greatest problem, is their lack of relationship with Him. And our motivation needs to be um, not to go in and to alleviate any kind of problem or poverty, um, which, you know, that is often the fruit or the outcome of, of evangelistic disciple making church planting work in a community. But, um, but our goal is to make disciples, mm-hmm. um, in the midst of, of, of the hardship in the midst of the hard places. And so, yeah, so it's looking beyond the problem and seeing the person, um, and seeing how we can cultivate friendships, um, uh, discipling relationships and hopefully raise up some leaders within those communities. So how have you seen that work itself out? I mean, you've planted two churches, you said, um, and you've helped, you know, create 20 schemes and you do some work from them and they work really with some really, you know, <laughs> uh, poor communities and poor people, you know, with the people there. Um, I've heard stories about what happens sometimes at these churches and, uh, makes you realize, oh, well, maybe it's not so bad here at times. You know, we all, we each have our own diff- different contexts, but uh, how have you seen that actually play itself out practically? Uh, so, you know, Scotland is the one of the highest uh, drug addiction rates, certainly the highest drug death is called, it's the drug death capital of Europe. Um, oh, okay. It's got one of the highest suicide rates, uh, significant mental health struggles in most of our, these are all, these issues tend to be all concentrated in our areas of poverty. Um, abuse. Um, uh, so you got all these issues, which we can call problems, but all these issues that are, that are present in um, areas of concentrated poverty. That's not just true in Scotland. I think it's true universally. Um, in most of our poor communities, we'll struggle with addictions, abuse, mental health um, issues. Uh, so, uh, but when you actually invest in the community, you move in, you develop a team that's actually living in the community, you're making neighbors and friends with people in the community, giving people a sense of respect and dignity. You're listening to their story rather than just um, engaging with their problem. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, then you begin to see something pretty special kind of develop in that community, which is um, uh, um, a family of God, people of God coming together, sitting around the table together, sharing life together, 
um, sharing burdens with each other, learning from one another, having mutual respect for each other. And so the um, and then and then the great thing is you begin to see. Um, you know, so, so what I love about some of the work we do in Scotland, but not just, but also some of the other work we're doing globally, is seeing people come out of um, uh, not necessarily out of poverty, but seeing them come out of that that crisis that that they're faced with, um, and then begin to grow and develop um, as a Christian, and then begin to emerge as a leader uh, within that church and within that community. Uh, and so that, that's the so that that takes a long time. It can take five, six, seven, eight, nine years of ongoing, persistent investment in a place and in, in people. Um, but that's the most encouraging things I've seen is uh is more of the uh, the transformation and then then seeing some of these guys emerge and develop as leaders and you know, so we use the terminology cultural insider cultural outsider cultural outsider is somebody not from the the community from the scheme from the um mm -hmm. from the place but you need cultural outsiders to move in uh, first to to be the, the the christian witness to that community but over time uh, as that church begins to take shape it it should look like and feel like a church that is um, embodied by the cultural insiders and ultimately led by the cultural insiders. Um, and that's, like I said, that takes a long time, but that's that's the most exciting things when you begin to see that begin to take shape in a community. Yeah, it's a bit of a slower approach, but you definitely see it's it's worth it in the long run, right? Yeah, yeah it's not your typical kind of, let's build a team, take 20 people, start gathering in place. There's still a scattered people that aren't really from a place that are gathering. Uh, the problem with that content, with that model is you don't really move beyond that cultural outsider. Um, you'll always be a group of majority outsiders doing ministry in a place um, rather than but that slow approach when you just move in full-time workers who live there, minister there, and then over time begin to see a church emerge. It's You're much more likely to see a church that is um, majority cultural insider. And again, the terminology I'm using, I'm referring to the community you're trying to engage. Yeah, that, that's that's really good because I'm starting to see that now. Mm -hmm. I've been downtown St. John's for about a year now. Okay. Um, so now I'm starting to see relationships form. Yep. Right. Now yep. I'm starting to see uh, neighbors acknowledge me more. Yep. Right. We haven't just been there for a year and picked up and moved on. And, you know, today, starting today of all days, um, I can no longer park in front of my house. <laughs> uh, starting right at my house is the oh, well, clearing yeah. route <laughs> and from december 1st until um march 31st i can't park in front of my house and it sucks <laughs> so you gotta trudge through the snow <laughs> well no snow yet just through the cold and wind now so i actually yeah. had my wife get the kids ready and i walked up the road to where the car was parked and drove it down parked facing the wrong side on the road so i can get the kids in the car and then take off uh, but, you know, it's a small thing like that and knowing, you know, St. John's is famously bad for snow clearing sidewalks so knowing how bad that is. And, you know, um, when things happen on our street, um, I was just talking maybe last month or so with my next door neighbor about um, next to us is a rental place. And uh, so, you know, there's people coming in and out all the time. It's almost like an Airbnb. And this group that was in there was just having constant parties. Mm. And we were just like, you know, you know, venting to each other, but like, you know, she was, she was saying, I've been here for 40 years. The neighborhood doesn't need this kind of thing. And it was really neat to get into people's lives like that. Right. Yep. Um, seeing yep. people trust me more and it's fantastic. And that would not happen if you didn't live there. Oh, no, so, not, not at all. Right. You have to live there. You have to live in the community 
And like you said, it, it takes time because mm -hmm. um, most, and again, this is pretty true in, in, in areas of concentrated poverty where, where an outsider moves in, they tend to move in for a season and they move out. So they're used to that kind of that flux of, of outsiders yeah, coming yeah. in. Maybe they're coming in because it's cheaper housing. They can't afford a house elsewhere. They, um, they're, maybe they're students just trying to afford a place to live. Um, uh, so they just coming in for a season um, and then they're out or um, what you, the other thing you begin to see is a little more gentrification where you see a kind of a mix of um, kind of middle-class and poor housing side by side in a community, but you still see this inside or outside. So the, the, even the, the street you live in or the house or the apartment building you're living in could still be an inside or outsider, um, or at least culturally. Um, so it's, it's just, so they're used to people from the outside moving and just living there, but not really engaging with the community. It's just a place where they live and then they, but their life is still outside that community. Uh, but actually being not just living there, but investing in mm -hmm. like, developing relationships there, building your life into the rhythms of, um, of that community is how over time you begin to get noticed um, and hopefully trusted and develop opportunities to do ministry. Yeah. So um, recently we've gotten more aware, I'll say, or the news has made it more aware to the public about issues we'll say in the downtown core you know i'm the church planner for downtown so that's my focus um mm -hmm. so there's been reports of uh, there's a green space kind of a little park you walk through um along a hill where it's known that uh where your sex workers frequent mm -hmm. um and this this park is being littered with needles all the time mm -hmm. there's a drop box there but there's still lots of casings and actual needles there on the ground and uh you know there's reports of someone who was living next to a sex worker, this is all in the story, and her 14-year-old daughter was told, you know, basically if she performed some acts that she could make a lot more money. She's mm. 14. <laughs> um, so this is in the news, and this is not very far away from where I live. Yeah. yeah. Um, so as the church planter for there, I, you know, I'm, I'm taking this in, and I'm seeing the issues in our community um, and what, what's happening. So, like, how would you approach these issues how have you done in the past how have you know churches and schemes done it uh when it comes to drugs and um sex work how have you tackled those issues and still reaching the people because again we're talking about you know coming along them as people not just problems yeah yeah i think um uh so certainly one is is awareness and so develop uh kind of relationships with some of the uh, the community organizations that are perhaps already doing activity in um, the neighborhood. So, you know, that's police or other charitable sector workers that are in the area. So just, just become, become more aware of some of the issues. Maybe there's opportunities even to engage with some of those, um, community activities mm -hmm. there. But the main thing, main thing I'd say is you got to have a, somebody on your team who's a full-time woman's worker. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we use terminology, women's worker, essentially it's a woman's missionary, a woman's disciple maker, somebody who's, who's biblically faithful, um, uh, who has um, uh, got some pastoral sensitivities, you know, small p pastoral sensitivities, um, uh, but is able to develop friendships and relationships with with that fourteen year old girl in a, in a non threatening and safe way. Um, because I think the the key is actually to all of these. Uh, we're playing the long game, um, so I don't think it's much we can do to solve those issues overnight. But if we're playing the long game. The key is actually developing um, friendships with the 14-year-old girl now, mentoring, discipling, um, uh, creating a safe space for her mm -hmm. so that she doesn't get um, trapped 
into a culture and a lifestyle um, that she can't get out of over time. And so um, so it really does take strong women's worker, women's ministry team um, in the place. And then, you know, we don't, um, I don't think churches need to be thinking about starting, um, you know, drug rehab therapies and, and groups and uh, those things exist, but yeah. it's more about um, us being a, a safe place, creating um, friendships with people, walking them through um, their addictions, helping them think um, more biblically about um, addiction. Addiction is essentially idolatry. Um, it's uh, you know, it's so it's a form of of idol worship. You're allowing something that is created to have a, a form of control over you, mm. um, and it becomes their god. And so they live for their God, they worship their God, they control by their God. Um, and so it's working with them to find, uh, you know, hope in, in a new God that's actually going to give them freedom from addiction, but also a sense of, of, of true hope, purpose, and, um, and, and family. I mean, many people behind every drug addict is a story behind every drug addict is um, usually a crisis, something that they're, they're dealing with. Um, you know, maybe the drug addict was, the 20 year old girl, I was that 14 year old girl, um, you know, just six years ago. And so just being, yeah, just being present in place, taking, playing the long game um, and engaging with the, the other agencies and organizations to become more aware. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, Cause we look at our downtown area and whatever you need, you can get mm -hmm. right. If you need shelter, if you need um, foot care, if you need help with resumes, Clothing. I mean, there's a great um, community health center there. Um, yep. a, lot, a lot of harm reduction being done. Um, but the issue is that uh, that only goes so far. I mean, that's a reality, yep. right? Um, but so as a church, we don't need to be doing that. But what we need to be doing is trying to find a way. How do we get into these people's lives and make an actual lasting change that, yep. you know, they might still be on the streets, but at least they're, they're being bettered, right? How, how yep. does that work? And like you said, we mentioned before, that's through the gospel. Yep. And often, um, you know, a lot of these agencies that are providing that kind of assistance, um, you know, a lot of money has been pumped into these communities, whether it's government money or charitable sector money has been pumped into these communities trying to address these problems. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's just transference. So they go from drugs to another issue or to another crisis or to another. They go from, in a, you know, maybe in a relationship of abuse, but perhaps now they're moving into a, a, another relationship that is just as toxic and unhealthy. And so it doesn't solve the problem. It may solve the immediate crisis mm -hmm. um, at the time, but it doesn't solve the real problem that people are facing. And that real problem that people are facing is that sense of brokenness, hopelessness, and despair um, that the gospel is always going to get to. Um, and so we have the answer to the problem. Um, and it's being remaining confident in the gospel as the answer, remaining hopeful in the church as part of the solution to the problem, which is a family of God, a safe place. Um, safe relationships um, in 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 the space, and um, just remaining committed to those two things: the gospel and the church, and building that building a, a ministry on the gospel in that community. Amen, man. Yeah, just preach. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, master, shepherd, befriend, make disciples, and that that that's it, right? That's that's our goal. There is actually getting actually care about these people. <clears throat> yeah. Right, yeah. not, not just address the surface issue problems, but let's get down deeper. Let's get down to the heart. Let's actually know who you are as men and women and your brokenness and introduce you to the one who can change that brokenness. Yeah, and, you know, less less is more. The reason why I think sometimes churches get 
almost a little bit of, of mission drift and mission creep into some of these ministries is because it looks good. We've, we fed you know, 100 people this month. We um, saw 100 kids come through this this kids ministry this month, you know, so mm. that it looks good because you're doing activity and you've got numbers to show for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, it doesn't actually, um, uh, it, it only gets so far, it's inadequate. Um, we think actually a church planting team should be thinking about doing um, doing less, but more intentionally. So um, so having uh, intentional relationships with fewer people. Um, and over time, that can have a real significant ripple effect in the community, as opposed to just being exasperated and exhausted, being you know spending our time, energy, and money on activities that actually is not making much progress. Um, when we think about how to engage people in that in the community you're trying to reach, yeah, it's a lot to chew on, and it's a lot for people to think about too. Because you know, church planting is sometimes like bigger and faster, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's split off this chunk of fifty people and you know start there. But this is a much slower, more painstaking approach um to church planting uh and which which is yeah i'm I'm feeling that because we we've modeled ourselves obviously after 20 schemes Mm -hmm. um so i'm feeling that and i feel a bit of frustration of that it's parts of me let's go let's go but i I remind one of my interns i'm like just remind me here's the plan slow and steady when i want to rush you remind me what i said (laughs) remember as well the the goal is is to make disciples Mm. um that's that's our goal. That's our mission. That's the mission Christ has given us to go and make disciples. Now we do that through starting healthy churches. And as disciples are being made, churches get planted and established. Uh, but the the purpose of the church is to make disciples. And, and I think too often as church planters, we have this dream of, oh, once we get to 50 people or 70 people or 100 people, and I've got a real church, and that's when I'm doing real ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, real ministry is disciple making. Um, and you do that as a team, and you do that with the support of a local church that's that's uh, that you're sitting under and then over time a church will develop um you know but the but be driven and motivated by the uh, the mission to make disciples in a community so if you're employing yourself into 10 relationships and it's disciple making relationships then that is valuable critical ministry in that community and if it takes five ten years for a church to be developed and planted it's then praise god for that um amen, amen brother yeah uh, so very quickly here before we end, uh, so what's the, I mean, you've given us so much to chew on, um, but uh, what's the biggest lesson you would say you've learned in ministering to poor communities and ministering to poor people? Uh, biggest lesson, I mean, so many, uh, i give you three three things. One is yeah. patience. It takes time. Uh, so learn that just, just in your own, um, you know, you know yourself, anybody who's in, in a community, you, you know your own frustrations. And often our frustrations is born out of, impatience mm. uh, things aren't going according to our plan according to our timeline people aren't moving according to the speed we want them to move right cultivating a posture of patience with people and with uh projects that you're working on uh so you know and uh, number two is is accept failure not not yourself anyway in terms of you know don't fail but accept <laughs> that people are going to mess up people are going to let you down you're going to work with people and invest yourself um in terms of time and energy and relationships and then they go right back to um you know they seem to go so far and then they fall right back again into old habits um and old relationships and old patterns and it can feel if if you don't accept that that's going to be a part of it then you'll you'll burn out and 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 quit quickly mm. so just accept that's the reality um and you know just because somebody walked away and um, doesn't mean it was a waste of time or a waste of effort um and they may in time come back um so accept that's going to be part of it and then the third thing it's it's costly. 
it's it's and so accept the cost um so it's it's financially expensive ministry in poor communities is more expensive than ministry in um uh, more suburban wealthier contexts because of the amount of activity needs to get done the kind of activity that you're doing and it's more labor intensive so it's expensive work um and it's always going to be reliant on strong partnerships so invest in those partnerships yeah dude like i, I need to have you back on this again <laughs> <laughs> you've given us so much yeah this is gold uh thanks for that man and it's even encouraging to me i mean i mean i shouldn't be surprised but i don't usually enter these calls being like yeah, i'm gonna be encouraged by this conversation <laughs> today but no this is great thank you so much matt appreciate it i love what you guys are doing it's really exciting to to see what the lord's doing up there in newfoundland newfoundland that, that's pretty good it's better than newfoundland i'll take yeah. it I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you've been listening, thank you so much. You can feel free to check out uh, 20 Schemes. Uh, we've got links to them all over our social media stuff. We do a lot in partnership with them. Um, and also Acts 29. We were just down for Acts 29 conference uh, last month. Uh, but in the meantime, check them out. Be in prayer for uh, Matthew and his work. And also, I hope you don't mind Matthew, but uh, he does do, he has had some issues with his voice and he's getting therapy. So if you want to pray for that as well, I'm sure he would appreciate that. Uh, but thanks, thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Nice. Thanks, Adam. You've been listening to Rugged Theology. Rugged Theology is brought to you by Mile One Mission. If you want to know more about Mile One Mission and our work in Newfoundland and Labrador, visit www.mileonemission.ca.